I want to talk to you tonight about something that has that I've I've come to learn through many difficult lessons, um, and I hope to share my heart with you and, and ultimately what God wants to say. But I want to talk to you about it's an overall subject um, when expectations don't match reality. When expectations don't match. Reality, And when I say expectations, I mean our expectations and our reality. Um, so I'm not, I'm actually, I will get to some scripture, but I'm not going to start there tonight. Um, I want to, I just want to talk to you a little bit about, about this and, and see where the Lord takes us. But if you, if you were to look and be honest with yourself at, at at your life, um, every one of us has a blueprint. If I had a table tonight and I laid out, had a, a blueprint of a building or a house or whatever, and I laid it out, um, that blueprint is the plans that I have for that building or that structure. Um, it's very detailed. It's very precise. It's, it has to be because it's it's a plan that, that needs to be followed. And... Um, all of us have a plan that we have drawn up for our life. Now, if you're like me, I, my plan is very detailed. I get my ruler out, make sure the lines are straight, angles are right, details are good, erase it if it's not perfect, come back again. It's, it's a very, it's a detailed plan. Um, I like details. I like to be organized. I like to plan things. I like to predict things. I don't like the unpredictable. I don't like it. It makes me nervous. Like I, I, I don't want. I want it to be lined up. So my blueprint is very detailed. Now some of you may not have that level of detail, but you've got squiggles and you've got circles and triangles and squares and, and different. You know your blueprint may look different than my blueprint, but we all have one that we have kind of written out for our life, and that. That is, is built upon uh, our dreams or our, our goals in life, our priorities, our aspirations, our, our, our expectations that, that we have laid out for our life. Um, and we've drawn this up. Now, and it's, it's very... The funny part is we don't have a clue what's going to happen beyond this moment, but we draw it up and we, we lay out a plan for our life. The Bible says... The Lord, a man makes makes his own way or plans his steps, um, and then you've got God's plan, which we'll talk about more in a minute. You've got kind of God's plan, which is ultimately His word, and and most of the time, I, I won't say most, every time, in its entirety, it looks our plan and God's plans are different. They may have some overlap, they may have some things, but they're very different, right? And so we we come into Life and we and we, we we as we grow up, as we get older, become teenagers, we start to become adults. We build this plan for our life. We have expectations from life. We have expectations from people. We have expectations from our careers, from our our for our family, for kids, for marriage, um, all the above. Ministry, right? We have we have aspirations of what we want those things to be and believe they can be and should be, right? what they should be. Um, and there, there comes a point 
when, I say point, there's many points, at, at which we then take up what I would call a transparency. How many of you know what a transparency is? A few of you, right? I, I know what they are. I haven't really used them much. But a transparency is, is something that is transparent. It's like a piece of plastic or some cool material that's very clear. And you can have all sorts of things on. You can have designs. You can have drawings on it. And some, a lot of times they would use them. They would stick them on this like projector thing, and then it would display the transparency on the wall, and you could write things and, and show things. And, um, but there's other, all sorts of transparencies that you... The, a lot of the purpose of, of them is you, you lay them on top of something else, and you can... If you have a, a transparency with, say, a, a drawing or a, uh, a plan on it, if you lay it over top of something, you not only see what you've drawn on the transparency, but you see everything underneath the transparency, and you can kind of use that to compare, you know, compare. And so... We, we have this transparency called our reality, the reality of our life, the reality of what is, where you are right now, where your life has, where you have been in your past, right? What job you actually have, what, how much money you actually have right now, what ministry you're actually involved with, or what, how, your, how healthy your marriage is or isn't. It's the reality of what, what actually is, okay? And what happens is we come to this moment, and I think in every area, where we take this transparency of what is and we lay it on top of what we want it to be, what our life to be, and we realize how drastically different the two really are. I may have aspirations for my career. I may, I may dream of being a CEO of a particular company and I'm a janitor sweeping hallways. I may have a dream of being married. I expect to be married, but, but I'm not. I may have dreams of having children and, and I, may have no, I may have none. I may want to be a preacher or in, in this particular place in ministry, but right now I have no place in ministry. And so our reality of what is right now and what we expect it to be, we come to this place where we realize how different the two are. And, and there's what's, what's I call, what I call kind of that, that gap is a, is a very, how do I say this? That gap creates a lot of emotion in us. A lot of, it can create disappointment. It can create hurt. It can create, allow opportunity for all sorts of negative things to come, right? Because what we expect from life is not what we're actually getting from life right now. Where we expect to be is not where we are. And when we realize that there is this, there's this gap there, that I'm not who I want to be, I'm not where I want to be, I'm not the person that I'm striving to be, what do you do with that? What do you do when you realize 
what your life actually is is nothing like what you want it to be? What do you do when none of your dreams are coming true? What do you do when none of your expectations are coming to pass at all? When in fact they're actually completely opposite of what you've always wanted in your own life. The things that you have strived for, the things that you are desiring, that you have, have worked so hard for, aren't even close to being within your grasp. And you may never reach them. You may never, your life, that transparency may never ever match up to the blueprint that you've drawn out for your life. Ever. So what do you do in that moment? How do you handle that disappointment? How, how do you cope with that gap of what you want your life to be and what it actually is? Or Again, who I am as a person. When you, when you look in the mirror at yourself, maybe literally, but also figuratively, and you see things about yourself that disgust you, you see your flaws, you see your failures, you see all, your, all the problems, and you think, my, who am I? I am not the person that I I should be. or I am not the person that I want to be. I'm not the dad I want to be. I'm not the husband I want to be. I'm not the friend I want to be. I'm not even the co-worker I want to be. What do you do in that moment? How do you feel? Do you feel hope? Do you feel this sense of, all right, we're going to do something about this? Or, or do you feel shame and, and disappointment and hopelessness? Do you begin to question who you are, what you are, what, you're, what, you, what you ever thought life could be? Do you just throw it all away? Because what what your life is right now is not what you want it to be or who you are right now is not who you're striving to be? What do you do? How do you handle that? You know, there was, there was a moment, um, and I know this is, this is a bit heavy, but I believe that, God, that God's going to do something. Um, there's so many moments from our from our our journey with William uh, that I feel like I could bring out and talk about, and I've shared some on Facebook, and and I don't want to be the person that just talks about that all the time. But when the Lord prompts me to, I, I want to share um, not only the good things, but the dark some of the dark times, or just the, some of the times that were difficult, because um, I want you to realize I want. God, God to be glorified not only in the victories but also through the, the difficulties and I believe by sharing some of those things he can do that so um, I did not expect to have a son with a heart condition in fact it was as many parents I've heard um, expressed all I want my baby to be is healthy that's all I want 
I don't care if it's a boy or if it's a girl or, or what, you know, this personality, that. I just, I just want them to be healthy. I was that person. I mean, I was, that was what I wanted. I, I didn't necessarily have a preference with boy or girl and um, maybe 51, 49%, maybe. Um, a little bit of a preference, but not really. Um, but, you know, when he, <laughs> I don't know how many of you were here that evening that um, we all of a sudden got up in the middle of church and kind of scooted out that, that February evening. Uh, we were not expecting my son to come uh, six weeks early. So, not only, yeah, that going on, I was just like, wow, okay, this rush, and then uh, here he is, you know, welcome, William. Um, so he ended up in, in the NICU in, in Anne Arundel Medical Center, and, you know, that's pretty common for, for babies that come that early. That's not uncommon. And, you know, the first several days were just different, you know, things that happened with babies in the NICU and dealt with some jaundice and, and some other just kind of normal complications, I guess, or just normal progressions of a, of a uh, newborn. So it was a Friday, and I was working across the street, I think actually in the same park as the hospital. Uh, I got off a little late and was excited, I'm ready, ready to go see my wife, ready to go see my son, um, and was expecting to have a great weekend, and he was going to come home soon. Like, that was kind of, we, we were, all right, when, just off breathing support, all right, here we go. Um, and so I, <laughs> poor Elizabeth, <laughs> I'll tell you why in a second. I, um, I feel so bad, I, I still look back at that with some, with some pity for her, but um, I, caught, I, I came into the hospital back when you could do that, just walk into the hospital, um, visit, visit people in the hospital, but walked in and, and, hey, babe, you know, good to see you, and, hey, William, and, hey, Elizabeth was there visiting, and, and we were chatting for just a second, and, and um, you know, ready for a great weekend, here we go, we're going to go home soon. And this nurse walks in with a phone, and I remember she said to me first, or, or you, babe, but... Um, like, you know, the doctor's on the phone, he's talked to you. And so, okay, well, that's fine, no big deal. Um, pick up the phone, you know, yeah, this is Kevin. And I could tell within the first few words of him talking to me that, that something was serious. And I was like, ah, okay, let me, let me step out. So I, I'll be right back, you know. And so I stepped out of the room, and, and um, this doctor very quickly and very just matter-of-factly begins to tell me, hey, didn't you know that your son has a, has a very serious heart condition and he's going to need surgery quickly? Excuse me? Come again? Um, and he, begin, he proceeds to, again, very matter-of-factly tell me, your, your son's missing a ventricle and he's going to need surgery and he's gonna, we're going to need to transport him to... Uh, a hospital, uh, another hospital, Washington, D.C., or Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, slow down, slow down. And, and just inside, just whew, collapsing, just, just my whole emotional state. Not what I expected on a Friday evening um, to hear from this doctor. And so, okay, okay, okay. You know, you need to make a decision on what hospital you're going to go to tonight. We want to f- fly him to one of these two hospitals. Make a decision. Okay, slow down. I'll 
I'll be back with you. Um, so I hang up the phone and, and just a mess, honestly, and, and waiting for the moment to go back into the room. And um, one of the nurses, I'll, remember, I remember, I'll never forget this. She was so sweet. She um, I knew what was going on. And she said, come here, I'm going to show you something. So she walked over and she pulled up Instagram and showed me, I think it was her niece or, or someone related to her, and 18 months old, jumping and dancing. She said, this is my niece. She had the same, has same, same condition as your son. And I just want you to see her at 18 months, um, jumping and acting like a normal kid. And that just, that touched me so deep. That was, in that moment, um, it was so significant. Don't ever... Don't ever question if you ever feel to do something that simple, by the way. That those, those kind of things can touch someone's life forever. Um, she was sweet. So, <laughs> come open the door. I have no idea how I'm going to tell my wife this. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> I'm like, whoo, okay, here we go. So, I barely get in the room. I'm like, maybe he has a, <sighs> tears. I just start bawling. And Elizabeth's standing there. I just like, oh, it's a I mean, I'm just bawling. Um, she's like, maybe I'll, I should come back later. <laughs> maybe I'll come back. <laughs> okay. So she was sweet. She, she, she kind of left, and, and I'm trying to calm down long enough to, <laughs> to tell Katie, like, look, so this is, this is what's going on. And, um, and so we, you know, are kind of being rushed to make this decision. You know, do you... Do you take him? Do you want to go to D.C. or do you want to fly him to Philadelphia? And I'm like, I, can I have a minute? Just a minute. I'm like, I need something to eat. So we ended up going downstairs to get some food in this process and to figure this out. Uh, and honestly, I don't know. We think we just flip the coin and said D.C. because it's closer. Thank goodness because it's we've, we practically lived. We did live there for a couple of months. Um, and so. Yeah, not to tell the whole story, but we that night he ends up getting flown to uh, Washington D.C. hospital. We have to drive; we don't get to fly in the helicopter. I was kind of bummed about that, to be honest. Even in all of that, I'm like, I don't get to drive ride in the helicopter. Like, that's the least you could do. But no, so fly him to D.C. and we get settled, and and we ended up living in D.C. basically for several months. Um, after that, and, and you've seen a lot of the, our posts, and, and there's a lot to the story, but my, but my world was rocked. Our world was rocked. Um, that is not what we expected to happen. That is not what we were expecting to experience. And, and you know, the fallout from all of that, we, we ended up leaving youth ministry and Bible quizzing and all of that, and our expectations for that year, <laughs> very different from what actually happened. And when I when I mean the gap, what I'm talking about is is that gap. Our expectations were to take our baby home and just keep going with life, but that was not the reality of our situation. And in that moment, it began to sink in the reality of what was coming, what, what our journey was now going to be. And there was some numbness, there was some, some difficulty, there was, there was peace in all of that. But it also, that, that, that gap, that when you're in that moment where you realize how different your life is about to be, um, is a very critical moment, a 
a critical time in your life because it's at that time where several things happen. One, you're just trying to deal with your emotions and process what you're feeling. And, and one of the, the greatest pieces of advice that I got in this whole process was just let yourself feel everything. The good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. Don't push it away because you feel it's wrong to be afraid or wrong to be hurt or wrong to be mad. Don't, don't push it away. Let yourself process every emotion. And then let go of the bad. Let go of the fear. Let go of the difficulty. Let go of the, 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 any bitterness or resentment or offense that may try to get. Don't let it stay but let yourself feel it because there's something that God can do when you are allowing yourself to be to, to come face to face with your reality and every single part of it. Everything about where you are in your life. And the beautiful part about that is, is God, Brother, Brother Grossbach alluded to this in... Um, I think it was just the leadership sessions. I don't know if you repeated it in service, but he talked. To, he mentions, or may, I don't remember when it was, but he mentioned that suffering was the thing that caused him to grow the most. And but he said something else that was that was so profound. He said, "I found I, I walk with God. I, the God leads me. He guides me. He, he he directs me in His will." But he said, "I found that God speaks the clearest to me when I'm going through suffering." When I'm going through difficulty, that's when I f- he speaks the clearest to me. And I thought, that is so true. Amen. Because it was in this season where I got some of the clearest words, not powerful, you know, let's go take the mountain words, but words for me. Words that, that were my anchors. That were my, and I still have them. I have a massive note on my phone to this day of all of the things that he he gave to me, and it's it's precious to me even now. Um, I go back and I reread them, and I and I say, Lord, thank you for your words. And he he spoke some very clear things in those couple of months that were critical. And he honestly, he didn't speak a whole lot, but he spoke at particular times when I needed him to speak. And so it, it's in those times, it's in that gap, it's in that in-between where God can speak to you some of the clearest, most specific words to help guide you in, in what is now your reality and what is now his plan for you, right? So it's a very, you're vulnerable and you're not, you're vulnerable in every way. You're vulnerable to God. You're vulnerable to others. You're vulnerable to the adversary. You're, you're vulnerable. And, and so the negative side of that is, is that's when the enemy comes and just psh, 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 thoughts, feelings, emotions, questions, doubts, fears, all of it just rushes at you because he knows how vulnerable you are in that time, in that moment. Because you're dealing with disappointment. You're dealing with difficulty. You're dealing with questions. Questions. Lots of questions. 
so many questions. And you don't have answers to these questions. You, you don't have solutions to your problems. You just have lots of questions. And so the enemy just comes in, bam, 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 bam. What about this? What happened to God? Why did, why did he let this happen to you? Why did, what did you do wrong? And, and one of the scriptures, actually, I'm gonna, I feel to read it to you. Um, it's from my note that he gave me to, to answer that question. Lord, what did I do wrong? What did I do to deserve this? And I want to share with you the answer that he gave me. This is John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, and I'm going to read it in the New King James because that's how I wrote it down. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Rabbi, what did they, who did the wrong here? Because obviously if, if this, this bad situation is happening, somebody did something wrong to deserve this. That was the first question. That was their assumption. That was their, their, their thought process. But my question is, are we able to come to grips with Jesus' answer to their question? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Are we able to come to grips with that answer? Are we able to come to grips with when God says, the reason that I've allowed you to suffer is so that I can be glorified? Can we accept that? Can we see that as love? That's the answer that God gave me when I had that question. Lord, what, what did I do? What did we do? Where did we miss it? What... What could we have done to prevent this? Could we, how do how we, I mean, because frankly, most of his conditions are caught before birth. They are usually caught ahead of time. His wasn't. Was it better or worse? I don't know. But it was our, what God knew that we needed. And, What I learned is that God is not afraid of our hard questions for Him. Even in our pain, when we cry out and accuse Him, He's not afraid of our hard questions because He knows our heart. He knows what's really behind your harsh tone and your accusing question. He knows the pain. He knows it's suffering. He knows it's hurt and disappointment. 
and difficulty and you're, stri- you're trying so hard to grasp with this gap of the reality of where you stand and where you thought you'd be or what you thought should be. He knows that and He feels that because He allowed you. Because if you take that, here's the other side, so if you take that same, the same transparency, right, the reality of our life, pulled off of your plan and stick it on top of God's plan, you'll start to see, wow, okay, that was in the plan all along. That, that part of my life, He already had that in there. Oh, that struggle, He already, wow, He, he had that in there the whole time. I didn't, I didn't know. Because we, so, and sometimes He doesn't let us know. Most of the time He just doesn't let us know. But it's when we can take the reality of our life and, and look at His Word and compare the two and realize the answer's been there the whole time. It's been in His plan this whole time. But it takes suffering for us to come to a place where we're willing to look that honestly and look that deeply into who we are, what we've been doing, and ask God, where do you want me to go from here? It takes us falling so short of our expectations that we just crumble at His feet and say, God, I, I, I don't know what to do next. I said this many times during our, the first several months of His life, <laughs> even laughing. Like, Lord, You have given me no plan B. I like plan B. I like plan C. I like plan D. And then contingencies for each one. I like it. I'm a planner. I, I love it. Remember I told you my, my little blueprint draw ruler and then there's going to be versions of that blueprint that are different and variation would account for this change and that change. That's, that's what I like. That's, I don't like the unknown. But he so quickly stripped away every other plan and left me vulnerable not only, again, not only to, to him and to the enemy, but also to other people in the, in the greatest of ways. Because they, they were, <laughs> uh, I remember, I love my pastor's wife um, and my pastor, but I, I love them both. And they, they were there, there's a lot of people there. I don't even want to start, I shouldn't start saying names, but there were so many people that were there for us. Um, but I remember it was in that time we were in the hospital and we were getting something to eat, but before we had to make a decision on what hospital we were going to. And she says, what, what do you need? You know, what do you need? And I, was, I just looked at her, I was like, I have no idea what I need. Just do, I don't know, you, you figure it out. <laughs> like, I don't even know what I want to eat. Like, I, I don't even know what I need right now. Please help. I didn't even know what I needed. I was that felt that exposed and that vulnerable and that just at a loss. And if you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. There's just a helplessness that comes, but there's, there's beauty in that because it's in that moment, in that time, when you're vulnerable and finally you just, you can't even, you don't even have the strength to hold your walls up anymore. The walls that you've built to keep people at bay, your relationships... You don't even have the strength to keep those up anymore. They're just, 
they fall. And it's scary and it's, it's difficult, but there's this depth that can come to some of your relationships and, and the people that you're closest with that just, there's a strengthening there that comes because you finally just, you become so vulnerable and you're, you let people love you. You let people love you. And I don't think we realize how much we keep people at a distance and avoid letting them love us in a real way. I didn't. I had no clue until I couldn't fight it anymore and then realized how much it just kind of poured into my life. And I I don't... People given things. I mean, there were so many blessings that happened for the first several months. I mean, you all were an amazing blessing to us and to the church and people and family. And there was so much that was poured into us. But I didn't fight it for the first time. I just, fine, Lord. <laughs> just just take it. It, it, it just... <sighs> and so... What do you do? What do you do? We've talked about that a little bit, but I want to... The Lord gave me this verse as an answer to that question tonight. And I want to take you to um, Psalms 46 and 10. And really, it's not what you do is not really doing anything at all. It's about knowing something. Psalms 46 and 10. It says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. It's not something to do. It's something to know. And and if you look at those two words, be still, if you look at what they mean, it means several different things, but the primary thing is it, it means let it drop. To sink down. Just let it go. Let it go and know that I am God. It's in those moments where all you can really do is just be still and let it go. And when you do that, you begin to see God in a new way. You begin to see His power demonstrated. And if you, if you look at two examples of this in, in, in maybe a, in a, a more familiar way, is if you, there's two passages that kind of stuck out in my mind. And that's very similar events. Uh, Moses and Joshua. Moses at the Red Sea and Joshua at the Jordan River. And there's two words that are in both of those passages that, that came prior to the demonstration of God's power and, and the parting of the waters. 
And those two words were stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Stand still, Israel. Watch, observe, put down any, any efforts that you're doing right now to try and save yourself or get past this obstacle that's in front of you. Stop. Stand still and watch what God will do for you. And when we come to these moments in our life when we're, we're, we don't know what to do, we don't know what to pray, I, I didn't. I, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you, I didn't pray very much for the first little while. Not the way we think about prayer. I didn't have the I didn't have the energy. I didn't have the, the the strength to pray in what we consider prayer. But I talked to God a little bit and and let him know how I felt and was looking for something. I love to be busy. I love to do something. Let me fix it. Give me something. Give me a plan. Give me a strategy. Give me something to execute. Like let's go. Let's fix it. Um, I didn't have that anymore. Plan A was God's plan. I had no idea what was coming next. It was it was His plan, and so it was. There was nothing I could do. I couldn't fix it. I couldn't all of a sudden make His heart better. And I I remember that for some reason this sticks out to me, and it's. It's a precious moment for me, but and I'm glad I took the time to recognize the moment. But I just, I wanted God to let me feel everything. The loss of what I was about to experience, the, the pain or the, the different. And I, I remember looking at him, it was before his first uh, operation. And I just looked at him laying there and I thought, God, this is the last time in his entire life that I will be able to look at his chest and see it without a scar. The last time. From now on, there will always be a scar there. And I I just, I don't know what it was about that that just, it hit me so hard. And it, it felt like a loss. I'll be honest. It it felt like I was losing something. It, it sounds, I don't know. It's it's a scar. What's so bad? It's even hidden. But it was just there was something about this that was like, Lord. Okay. I'm just going to take this in. I'm going to stand still. I don't want to lose this again. I don't know why it felt such like a loss, but it was just like this. It was like a finality in some ways. That like there will be this permanent reminder of what is. And all I could do was just stand and 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 let him take over. You know, watching him be wheeled back into that operating room. It's the most helpless I've ever felt in my entire life. The most helpless I've ever felt. But, and there were other moments, and I, I won't go into those tonight. Um, some of them I have shared online. There were other moments where there was just 
chaos and turmoil and difficulty and complications and this and that. And I mean, just if you've, ever been a, if you've been in a hospital for longer than a couple of days, you understand what I'm talking about. It's just things are just crazy in the hospital. But there were some moments where I would just sit there and watch and observe. And there was just a, a strange stillness in here. That, that would come, and some of it during the, the most chaotic of times, or, or the most, honestly, the most traumatic of times. And I just remember thinking, this is what peace is. This is what peace is. And I, I'll, I'll tell you something that I've learned. I'm going to take a drink of water first. Make you all wait for this great revelation. That's good water. It's definitely not Aquafina or Dasani. Sorry. Um, what was I saying? I'm going to pull a pastor here. Sorry, pastor. Yes, great revelation. Share it with us, Zach. Yeah. Um, that's what it was. Peace. Um, this is something that, that God gave me that I want to. I want you guys to to meditate on and think about. Peace, the power of peace is not in what you feel. It's in what you don't feel. It's the absence of everything that is not of God. Every feeling, every question, every bit of confusion or chaos. You think about it, you ever, you ever stood at a body of water, there's a lake or a pond, that uh, wouldn't be the ocean, that's not very calm, but, and just ever thought, wow, it's so calm. You just, the water's clear and, and calm, there's not really a whole lot of noise, and you're just in awe of the, of the stillness. Why are you in awe of the stillness? Because it's still. And, and it's, things are not normally still. They're not normally quiet. They're not normally... And so, when peace enters in, and peace takes a place in your life, it's, it's not about, yes, you do feel it, but it's really what you're not feeling that is so noticeable. You're not feeling the, the doubt. You're not feeling the fear. You're not, your mind's not running crazy with questions. It's not, you don't feel heavy or, or depressed or you don't feel those things there's just this a calm and a stillness that comes and so when peace is actually is at work in your life it's it's about the absence of what you normally feel and let me let me give you let me give you a, a biblical example here a story and and um, I want you to Kind of taking a little bit of a turn here, but we're talking about peace. Um, and I want you to, to look at the story uh, in Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41 is where we'll go. Thank you, Jesus. Let's, let's before we read that, let's, let's take a minute. 
Let's close our eyes and raise our hands for just a moment. I feel to take a, a pause here and let the Lord just kind of seal some of this in your spirit and begin to, to apply this to you. Keep praying for another moment. I feel the, the shift a little bit here in, on the emphasis, but I, I, I want this to settle into your spirit first. Father, help us tonight to, to let you reveal to us the places where we have dis- been disappointed, the places where we have been hurt, where we have felt loss, where, where the expectations for our life do not match the reality that we face. And God, I know there are wounds and, and hurts and pain that come from, from that, God. And I pray right now that you would touch and bring inner peace to every spirit and mind right now. Jesus. I feel it to shift a little bit, and we're going to end with the past, not end with this passage after I read it, but this will be what I want to focus on to finish out. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 says, And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. They had a promise. God gave them a promise they were going to make it. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. Never noticed that before until recently, that there actually was more than just the one ship going across. Think about that. Verse 37, And there arose a great storm of wind, And the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? There's that question. There's that accusation. They're in a storm. They're now facing extreme difficulty. And what what do they do? They go to him and they accuse him. Lord, don't you care? Don't you see what we're going through? Don't you see the storm and the condition of our life right now? Don't you care? How many times have we asked God that question? Verse 39, And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, Be still. Peace. Be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this? 
that even the wind and the sea obey him. I want to go back to verse 39. Peace. Be still, he says. He gets up. And in this passage, the order of things is he he addresses the storm first. And then he turns and addresses his disciples. But I want you to... this This is so powerful to me. Um, If you look at these three words, peace, be still. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. God's going to do something here in just a minute. It means to be silent. To hold one's peace involuntarily. This same verbiage is used in speaking to demonic forces. And telling them to be quiet. To stop talking. I feel Jesus. And we've been talking about here for the last little while. About us and our our difficulties. And and the Lord being still and knowing that He is God. But I want to address something. And we're going to pray. And... and, um, feel what we'll do what we feel to do but I do feel like the Lord's going to bring some deliverance tonight to some people Jesus spoke with authority to their their circumstances there was wind and waves and crashing and difficulty and the way that Jesus addresses this is is really something we need to take note of because so, so here's the so here's the problem. They were fishermen. They they knew how to handle storms. They'd been in waves. They'd been in wind. They they knew what they were doing. But when did the problem start? The problem started when what was outside the boat began to get inside the boat and begin to cause them to sink. The weight. What was carrying them to their destination became became the very thing that was now beginning to sink their ship. And what was outside began to get inside and begin to weigh them down and they were scared of what was going to happen to them. And here's, here's what happens. The Bible says that peace is meant to guard and keep our minds and hearts. That terminology, guard and keep, think of a garrison. Think of a, a fortress, if you will, but a, a place where it's, peace is meant to be a guard surrounding our hearts and minds to keep things out, the good, the good things, or bad things out, the good things in. And it is meant to be that when things come in, we can recognize something's different. There, this is not something's gotten past my garrison, or past something's got in where it shouldn't be, and it's we eliminate it. If you think about a fortress, the fortress is meant to keep the bad people out and the good people in. But if the if the the enemy got in, that was the number one priority: is to get the enemy out, expel them, 
get rid of them. This is our territory. This is our place of authority. This is where we belong. That is what peace is meant to be in our lives. It is meant to be a garrison around our hearts and minds. The problem is, the Bible also talks about tearing down strongholds in our minds. Negative things. Strongholds there is also alluding to fortress, a place of authority. And so there are things that can get into our minds and hearts and spirits and establish a place of authority in our lives that peace was meant to occupy. And now we have no peace in that area of our life. And so that is when the problem starts, is when your pressure, your difficulty, your trial that is going on around you in your life, your relationships, your begins to get inside of you and begins to disturb you and cause you to have pressure and, and confusion. And it just begins to kind of eat away at you because there, have been, there are things that, that sh- they're not meant to be inside. They're meant to stay outside. And you can get through them and God will carry you through the trials and as long as you can maintain peace in here. So what, what do you do when... Those things get inside. Your trial is now beginning to just leak its way into your life and you begin to feel weight and pressure and weariness. Well, it can't stay because if you let it stay, your boat will sink. The more that you let that stuff take residence and that, the, that trial and tribulation, that all that difficult disappointment, that hurt, that pain, that shame, all of those things that we've talked about, if you let that stay, you'll go down with the ship. You cannot let those things exist in your life and let them stay. They may come, but what are you supposed to do with water that gets in your boat? You bail it out. You cast it out. What does that sound like? Cast. Right? Bishop, come on. We've heard it. Cast. What do we cast? Our cares our worries, our fears, our doubts. So it may get in, but it's not meant to stay there. Those things may come to your mind and spirit, but they're not meant to stay there. And we must get rid of them. But what I want to, to I believe God's going to do tonight, is there are, there are some of you that you're tired of bailing. There's been so much water that has come in and so many things have gotten into your spirit that, that I believe God wants to calm the wind and the waves in your life and give you a chance to regroup a little bit. To, to give you a chance to have some peace so that you can now deal with your fear and your unbelief has, has crept in. Like you said, Jesus said, why are you so fearful? Why is it that you have no faith? They were scared. They were, they were tired. They couldn't bail anymore. They couldn't do it anymore. And at that moment, they ran to Jesus and said, why don't you care? He knew why they, what, why they were asking and why they were accusing him. He knew it. And so he addressed the storm. Peace 
be still. Voices, be silent. Peace, be still. Be silent. Every accusing voice, be silent. In the name of Jesus. Every accusing voice, be silent. God wants to give some of you a space to breathe. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Just begin to pray and talk to God for a minute. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Father, I declare tonight that the wind and the waves that have been crashing and warring and smashing into the lives of Your people, God, that are beginning to bring weariness to souls in this place, that are beginning to overwhelm and bring just a heaviness to people in this place. Father, I believe right now that You want to bring peace to lives tonight, right now. And Father... By the authority of Your Word and the power that's in the name of Jesus Christ, I command these voices, be silent. Peace, be still. Peace, be still. Peace, be still. Father, we submit to you tonight. I believe that you are God over wind and the waves. I believe that you are God over our circumstances. And God, I believe tonight that you want to do that for somebody. In the name of Jesus, if you feel... Daniel, do you mind playing for just a moment? If you feel like this has touched you, this has spoken to you, um, I want to give you an opportunity to pray. And, and you, can, you can pray at your seat. You can come pray up here. At, that's up to you. But I want to take a minute and give you an opportunity to let the Lord speak to you. So if that's you, I'm going to invite you to come. You bring your mask on, your mask on, um, and let's let's let the Lord minister to us tonight. And if you're not comfortable with that, and you want someone to pray for you, just lift your hands, and let's let the Lord minister to you. 
Jesus, right now I pray that you would touch hearts and lives. God, that you would bring a peace and a stillness. Father, minister to that weary heart, God. Minister, God, to that broken heart. God, minister to that person tonight that is just struggling with accepting the reality of their life and what realizing how much of a gap there is between what they expected it to be and and what it really is God I, I know it's hard I know God it's difficult but God you are the comforter you are the comforter God Be the comforter right now. Father, and for those who are just battling the enemies, fighting them with questions. Question after question after question after question. Is this real? Am I, is God really, does he really care? Does he really, does he really even see me? Does he even really love me? God, the questions that cause us to stay up at night and lose sleep. Father, I speak peace to every mind, every troubled mind, God. And I command peace be still. Peace be still. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Alamando Rabaha setelebeito Rabahaya. Eko Rebe Isatalala Bahaya to Rebe Isatalala Bahaya. Yeloboto Rebe Isatalala Bahaya Kuratatata Bahaya. And there's nothing left to do. God help us to give the loss to you. 
Help us to give the lost to you, God. There are so many things that we have lost that we will never get back. But God, you bring everything around for our good and you give us exactly what we need. Oh Jesus, the spirit of ministry in this place flow to every hungry heart, God. Oh God help us help us Jesus we give our loss to you Jesus we give our pain to you Jesus here it is God we lay it down we drop it at your feet we drop every care at your feet Jesus we drop every weight God Lay it all down, 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 lay it all Jesus.
He'll go as far as you let him go. Come on, open up to him. Let him bring peace to every area of your life. Let peace reign in your life again. He stands at the door and knocks. Will you let him in? Will you let him in? <laughs> 